0: You can turn over in your Bibles to the second chapter of Exodus or just look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. There were two gas company servicemen. There was a senior tra- trainee and a supervisor. I'm uh, sorry, a senior trainee, supervisor and a young trainee. They were out checking the meters. And what they did was they took their truck and they parked it at one end of the street. A little alley behind the, behind the street, parked it at one end. And the two of them just went down and, and checked all of the houses for their meters. And when they got to the last one, the, uh, the trainer, the supervisor, trainer, who's training the trainee, he got an idea, and he says he got the idea to challenge the young trainee to a race. And he said, how about if we race from here all the way back over to the truck? And so, you know, young trainee said, sure. He thought it was pretty easy pickings to be able to take this guy. He's older than he is. And, and so the two of them just took off running, heading off to the truck. When they got to the truck, they turned around, and they saw this little old lady chasing them. And she was huffing and puffing, barely could keep could uh, could breathe. And they finally got her calmed down. And they said, Lady, what's wrong? Why are you running after us? And she said, I don't know, but when you see two gas guys run away from your house, you just run. <laughs> well, you know what? We can get uh, trained on some ways, can't we? And there's some ways that we do some things and in some ways that we think, see a couple of gas guys run away from the house, you think one thing. <laughs> we talked last way about old and new and that we have to get out of doing things in the old way and start doing things in a new way and move out of, the, of our old way of, of going about things. And, and we took a look at two people, Judas and Peter, and how Peter was in some of the old things, but how he allowed God to direct him and move him out of that. We looked at Judas and Judas didn't allow that to happen, even though they were both in the same environment. One got retrained and one did not. So we're going to continue this on the retraining part. And we're going to look at Moses. Moses was the person who was retrained in some of the things of the old. We're going to cover a whole lot of scripture. Not getting into the detail of all this scripture. We have covered this several times in the past. But we're looking at this from the idea of fruitfulness. How can we become more fruitful? You're not going to become fruitful in the old ways. You're going to become fruitful in the new ways. John 15 told us that apart from the vine, we don't produce anything, do we? The vine is the new way. Jesus is the new way. You have to get into a new way of thinking. You have to get into a new way of doing things. And the way that that's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to help you to do it. To do it. But you got to be attached to the vine. You got to let the vine dresser, the father prune you. But you got to get out of the old and get into the new. In uh, Exodus chapter two, we're going to start there, but I want to give you some of the ways of Egypt that we're going to be looking at. And we'll show you where these are, but I'm going to give it to you ahead of time. And I'm sure that there's more ways of Egypt than just this, but these are the ones we're focusing on today. And just to give us an idea of this principle, how it works out. First, one of the ways of Egypt was to be stronger than your enemy. That is a way of Egypt. Be stronger than your your enemy. They were an empire. They had an enemy. If they had someone out there that they wanted to go to war with, they had to be stronger than they were. Defeat those who are in your way. That is the way of Egypt. If something is in your way, if you want this land, if you want this resource, what do you do? You go out there and you defeat it. Stand with those who help or like you. If they help you to to accomplish these purposes, if they like you, stand with them. Train and become strong in your ability. This is what Egypt would do. And this is not just the way of Egypt. You know, many others have picked this up as well. But train and become strong in your ability. You would train up an Egyptian soldier to become strong. You would train up his ability with the the shield and the sword and whatever other instruments of warfare that they had. Understand the wisdom of our fathers. And the Egyptians would pass on wisdom that came from their fathers, that came from, from old, and they would pass it on, and you had to understand that so that you could operate in it. So these are some of the ways of Egypt. Again, you can have more ways. You can add some more things to it, but these are the ones we're looking at. In chapter 2, verse 11, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating the Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the ground. What's one of the ways of Egypt? Be stronger than your enemy. Defeat those who are in your way. And when he went out, the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as your Egyptian, as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now, how does he know who did the wrong? Doesn't it say in there that he said to the one who did the wrong? How many times have you come up to two guys fighting and you knew who did the wrong? Generally, we can make assumptions. We can come up with some ideas about the whole thing, but we don't even know if that is, his assumption was wrong. Now, he has a 50-50 chance of being right. But how would you like it if somebody came on the scene, you were, you were in a skirmish with someone, and they decided that you were the wrong one, they spoke to you. What would you say? Man, how did you know I did wrong? I was trying to hide that. I don't say, how did you know I did wrong? No, most people who are fighting, most, both of the people think they're right, don't they? Hardly ever does one person think they're wrong and the other person think they're right. They both think they're, they're right. But he said, "Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian?" So Moses feared and said, "Surely this thing is known." When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Well, that's uh, some of the ways that we see. But this is the things he was trained in. This is what he was trained to do. Be stronger than your enemy. And if you find something in your way, defeat it. Don't let it continue to go on. And so that's how he did. And so he's beginning to find out there's a call of God in his life to be the deliverer. So he goes about it according to his training. That's the old way, isn't it? Are we going to have success going the old way? No. Verse 16, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the trowels with to water with, to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they had come to Raul, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So apparently they would go out to the water to get the water every day. And every day they had trouble. I don't know about you, but if you're a dad with seven daughters and every day that they have trouble going out to the well, don't you do something about it. (laughs) Either you go out with them or you hire somebody to go out there with them. But every day, Jethro just sent them on off. And in need, how Jethro had such great wisdom for Moses how to handle his problems. And he's out there, seven to seven daughters out to get the water every day. And they came on back early one day. How come you didn't have so much trouble today? I thought, you know, the shepherds were always giving you a hard time and, and, uh, and such. How, how come you got back so early? So he knew it. He expected them to be a while. <laughs> and here they come back sooner. I don't know what that says about Dethro. Maybe he changed some things later on there too. But that just to me sounds odd because if you're a dad you know, and you have daughters, you know you don't send them into a situation where you expect trouble. Mm. We always have the, uh, you know, the teasing that goes on. You know, you get a daughter, you buy a shotgun. <laughs> That's just what you do. Amen. I like that. <laughs> That's right. And you make sure that anyone comes calling knows you have it. Show them where it is, that it's loaded, you know, stuff like that, just in case. <laughs> I don't know why you send seven of them out there to the well all the time, and, and uh, but anyway, that's what he did. We're not looking at Jethro, we're looking at Moses. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man. And he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. So apparently Jethro sees Moses as a fix for this problem. Whatever it is that Jethro, going on with Jethro, he can't go down, doesn't want to go down, doesn't have anything else to send him down. So here's a guy. All I got to do is marry off one of the girls. We can keep him around. I don't know. I'll give up one of the girls. And which one don't I like the best? I don't I don't know if he did any of that, but he picked one of the seven. And he gave, him the, gave her to Moses. And Moses said, mm, daughter, to stay here? All right. I guess I'll stay here. And she bore him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So here we have Moses. He's out there at the well. The shepherds still show up, but now they got to contend with Moses. And Moses is trained in how to fight. He is a soldier. He is a far better soldier than all of them. Just picture the movies that come out. Born Identity, right? Uh, what are some of the other ones I'm trying to think of here? Uh, of course, uh, yeah, 007, any movie that, that he has. And um, uh, what are some of the other ones that, that came out? What's the one, the guy in the airport? The um, Bruce Willis guy, he shows up in the airport. What is that one called? Die Hard. Die Hard. All those. Now, you have one guy who takes on 10 or 15, right? All the time happens constantly and uh you know they'll, they'll just take them on and and uh they'll just defeat them you know uh, jackie chan he's another one what's he what's the movie i don't know what the movies i've seen some of the fight scenes but i haven't really seen all the movies but he come on out and uh, now he's believable i actually believe he could take seven or ten guys <laughs> but boy they do that. You ever see some of the uh funny things they do in some of these movies and they show some of the choreograph and how they missed <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't quite get it right yeah. and somebody almost got hurt Mm. Well, that's, um, that apparently is kind of what happened here. You know, the shepherds came on up and they met up with Moses. And uh, they just were expecting the ladies to come on out. And they apparently weren't all that much of a battle for them. And But then all of a sudden, here's this other guy. And he's got a staff and he knows how to use it. And he, uh, he took them on and drove them away. And then he went over there and got the water for them too. And then said goodbye. See you. And they left. Moses just stayed there. But you see, Moses, this is his training. You defeat what's in your way. You become stronger than what is against you. And if people like you, hang out with them. Right? Ah, They like you, it's all right, hang out with them. They don't like you, get away. So we see that coming in into this one. Because God hasn't told Moses to stay here, has he? He doesn't seek after God and say, God, should I stay here? He doesn't say, God, should I marry this one? And apparently there was a mistake because we saw some problems later on that came out of this marriage. Well, retraining begins here in Exodus chapter 3. Now, God's got to retrain us. How many of y'all ever tried to retrain something? Some of you ladies, you know, you, train, you, you, you have hair and you, you change it up. When you change it up, what happens? You got to retrain the hair, don't you? Now, us guys, you know, we, we pick a hairstyle. And we generally stay with it. I know Lamar has a real hard time getting his hair to train in that way, right? Jolly, brother Jolly over there, real tough to get that. I mean, come on, that's, all you need is a washcloth. <laughs> Clean up the hair in a whole bit. Mine, when I, I told you I switched my hairstyle, I don't know, something 20, 25 years ago, something like that, left it the same ever since. Just haven't messed with it. It's perfect, so I don't just need to change it. <laughs> but, you know, when I first changed it over to that, it was, it was tough to get it to go. It didn't want to go the way I wanted it to go. But after a little while, it did, and, and now it doesn't want to go any other way. You train it. It's amazing how you can just train hair to, to do that. I know you guys, you don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> you don't have enough hair to train. <laughs> Keep cutting it off. It won't, keeps from trying to grow. <laughs> I've thought of going that way, too. My wife is just rebelling. She says, uh, don't do it. I thought of it because it's just so much easier. Just all oh, quick, fast. Mm. But uh, so far, I haven't done that. But we've got to retrain some things. You know, if you get a new dog, you've got to train it according to the way that you want it to go because the dog's just going to go the way the dog wants to go. There are some times we have to retrain some things. We've got to take what is the old way and we've got to bring it into the way that we want. The new way. And that's what God has to do here. So Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. It takes until chapter 3 to find, us, find out what his name is. He's just the guy. He's got the seven daughters, you know, him. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. In fact, we, kind of, we found out his daughter's name before he found out his name. Of course, who wrote the book? Moses. Who was more important to Moses? Moses. The, 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 the girl. <laughs> I mean, come on. When is the, the girl more or less important than the father-in-law? Right? Even back then. So he led the flock back into the desert, came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, From the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why? The bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. I don't know about you. If a bush calls to me, I don't think that's the first thing out of my mouth. But, you know, that's me. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord of your father, the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard the cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to the land of from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. For Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that he may bring my children, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. What is he trained to do? You got to be stronger than the one you're going up against. And right now, who does he see as stronger? Pharaoh. I am not stronger than the one I go up against. So therefore, I can't do it. God's trying to retrain him. So he said, I will certainly be with you. Now, you're going to really enjoy the next training session. I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to him, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. Moreover, God God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and all the other ones, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then you will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now, please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. How many days? Three Three days. This is what God says. I want you to tell them we're going to go in for three days. What happens if they go in for two? Two days journey. It's not right, is it? Mm -mm. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So he's already telling them ahead of time. It's not going to happen. He's not going to let them go. I already know that. I'm sure of it. And Moses is probably saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure of it too. I'm not even God. And I'm pretty sure that he's not going to let you go. I know the God. (laughs) He's not going to do it. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. Now, I want you to to take a look at this for a minute because this has got a ring tree from Moses. Verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst. And after that, he will let them go. He'll do what? What Moses is being asked of and what Moses is doing is to walk into the camp and become one of them, which means he becomes a prisoner too. So Moses is saying, I want you to leave where you're over here, where you're free. I want you to go in over there. And in the end, they will let you go. And Moses is probably thinking, I'm fine right where I'm at. Why do I need to go anywhere? This is good. i got a wife, i got a kid. My father-in-law get along okay. This is not bad. But verse 22, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So he says, you're not only going to be let go, but you're going to take money, stuff. They're going to give it to you. Now, Going back to the ways that we had here. Way number four, train to become strong in your ability. Moses is trained to become strong in his ability as a shepherd, not strong in his ability as a deliverer. He doesn't see himself being able to do this. Understand the wisdom of our fathers, the wisdom of the fathers of the Egyptians, the things that I've learned. What does that tell me about? This isn't going to work. He's walking according to the old way. Now let's get into the next part of the retraining. But God's trying to get him out of this way of thinking. I know that they're not going to do it. It's okay. I already know this. But we have a solution for it. And by the time we get to the end, this is what's going to happen. They're going to, you're going to take out all their money. Chapter 4. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord does not appear to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Now again, he's going according to his own wisdom. If he says, "If I'm in their shoes, what am I?" Th-? I'm thinking, "Who in the world are you, and why are you here saying the Lord talk to you?" Think, not thinking uh, according to the new way. We're thinking on the old way. We got to retrain. The old way is not going to be successful. New way, this is out of our reach. This is something different. I'm, I got to think when God says, "I listen." God's wisdom is higher than man's wisdom. I'm not thinking that right now. If you're Moses, so the Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand?" And he said, "A rod." And he said, cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground, and it became his servant. And Moses fled from it. What does this tell you about Moses? Now, can you imagine an Egyptian who's afraid of snakes? Think of that. Can you imagine an Egyptian who's afraid of snakes? What is one of the things they used to do all the time in the streets, as far as the movies that we see? They got the snake charmers, they got the cobras that come on up, you know, they got them in baskets. And they you know, play their little tunes and, and uh, so it's on all the movies. Every movie about an Egyptian, they always got the, they're playing the flute. The thing comes out. They're always messing with the cobras, and they're nasty snakes. I mean, I mean, one snake would make you somewhat fearful, but a cobra they show up and they flash those you know that big head out there, and they look like I'm going to eat you. Moses is not Egyptian, he's Jewish. Apparently, Jewish people flee from snakes. He didn't inherit that part. And so the, the snake shows up, he takes his staff and he throws it down and it becomes a snake. It's probably one that he's familiar with. It probably is one of the, the cobras or something that's, that's uh, from the region of Egypt or something that he knew about because he knew to get back. And he gets back. Moses fled from it. I don't know about you, but if I take a staff and I throw it down to the ground and it becomes a snake, I don't think it's a normal snake. But Moses, is he's trained in one way. And up to, his, up to now, his training has been, snake, run. How many people agree with that? Snake, yeah. run. Go the other way. Not stick it around to see if it's a nice snake. No snake is a nice snake, right? They're all, They're all bad. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. What's he doing? What's God doing? He's retraining him, isn't he? He is retraining Moses. Moses, I don't want you to flee from this anymore. I want you to go over to that snake and I want you to pick it up by the tail. Now, old wisdom says this, says one thing about this. You don't pick up a snake by the tail. Don't do it. How many of y'all know when you, if you're going to torture a cat, don't grab it by the tail? Because the... Bad end of the cat is, is available. You, 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 the tail's not going to hurt you. The other end, will the paws, the claws, and the fangs, and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, the cats are quick. They're, they're good at what they do. We were listening to the radio the other day. I don't know if, you've ever, if some of you heard this thing, but they were talking about the, uh, 10 signs to know if your cat wants to kill you. <laughs> did anybody hear that? No. Oh, did you all miss that? Oh, it was hysterical. I wanted to write them down. They were so good. <laughs> One of them came up and said, if your cat climbs up on you and starts kneading you with their claws, they're, they're, they're uh, testing to see if your internal organs are weak. If your cat comes up and brings you a dead animal, it's not a present. It's a warning. <laughs> <laughs> they had more beside that. <laughs> oh man. i tell you what it was, it was. I was, I was thoroughly enjoying it. <laughs> It had great music in the background for it too. But anyway, you don't grab the thing like that by the tail because that leaves the the nasty end out there. So Moses apparently responded pretty well to this training. I don't know if a burning bush is talking to you. You know, you're just in a different realm. It's just not normal stuff or whatever. He's, uh, He's out there. Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and he took it out. behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. Behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Now, leprosy is a feared disease. And if you have leprosy, you can't come near the rest of the compound, the rest of the people. You have to be put outside the city because it's contagious. And they don't want to catch it from you. So he's saying, it's, you know, I want to take that leprous hand and put it right up next to you. How many of you want to do that? I mean, how many of you all know? Just we'll, we'll, will take it down a little bit. How many of you have ever got poison ivy? You get poison ivy in your hand? Do you rub that hand all over you? No, why? Because <laughs> it, it spreads. It spreads. You don't want to do that. So think of the same thing with leprosy. If God says, you know, you got poison ivy in your hand, rub it all over. Think no uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. But he did. So he put his hand in his bosom again, drew it out, it was restored. Verse 8, Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, it shall take. you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. And the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. And Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech, and slow of tongue. In other words, I am not trained in this skill. I don't have training here. If I'm not trained, can't do it. Can't do it. So the Lord said to him, "Who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, and the blind? Have I? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you say." But he said, "Oh my Lord." Please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite, your brother? I know he can speak well. And he looked, he is also coming out to meet you. And so, you know, Aaron gets all involved and, and so forth. We can jump on down to um, verse 16. So he, uh, Verse 17. And you shall take this rod in your hand, in which you shall do signs. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey. And he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then the Seporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet. And we'll just summarize this part of it here for you. But uh, she wasn't too happy about having to do this. Apparently, there was a circumcision was a battle, and she she won. And they didn't do it, so Moses gave in to her. And on the way, God says, you still didn't get that right. And God was ready to kill his messenger over the thing. And so she went ahead and circumcised him. She was mad and she left and went back. So Moses ended up going the rest of the trip himself. Exodus chapter 5. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice the Lord our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilence and with sword. And the king of Egypt said to him, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. Get back to what? Your. Your. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on then the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be delayed on the men that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw while you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw and the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had sent over them, were beaten, and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled and You all know they got upset at all this, and they tried to defend themselves, and you're not giving a straw, so forth. Verse um verse nineteen And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after that and said, You shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Of course, they weren't abhorrent before, but now they are. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? And why is it you have sent me? This is old school. He's going the old way. Because I had not been trained. it, I told you I wasn't trained in this. I told you I didn't have the ability to do this. And I came out here and did it and it didn't work. I did my best. I gave it my all. But it didn't work. It's not happening. I told you you shouldn't have done it. And he's mad. Why have you brought trouble on this people? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither whom, Neither have you delivered your people at all. So he's upset because it didn't work so fast. Ever been a bit upset with God because it didn't quite work as fast as you wanted it to? Exodus chapter six. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will deliver, and with a strong hand he will deliver them out of his land." And God spoke to Moses and said to him, "I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I have not known them. I have also established my covenant." with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Any doubt in there? I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Plural. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of Egypt. And I will bring you into a land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of the land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me, how then shall Pharaoh heed me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? If you're here on Wednesday night, we talked about how God deals with lips. <laughs> yeah, we had some fun with that one, didn't we? <laughs> anyway, we'll get that up on the, on the uh, internet for you, so you can go up there and catch up on that. But he's, uh, he's back to the lips here now. The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? The children of Israel. have. I haven't even gotten this far, and you want me to go to Pharaoh and have better results? We're still operating the road in the old way. what's God doing? retraining when God retrains us there is patience involved. God is patient when he's trying to retrain. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of the land of, of Egypt. So he went out there and he did it he wasn't happy about it but he went out there and did it. but this retraining process that God has put him through it's been tough on Moses. it's been hard. It's been pushing him out there where he doesn't want to be. How many times have we been in retraining? How, you all know, we've had periods in our life where we've been lazy. We've just been sitting around, not active, not working out, and we didn't like the things we saw in our body. And so we decided what? I'm going I'm to start working out. I'm going to go out to the gym and I'm going to lift weights. And so we go out there and we buy one of those memberships to the local gym, whatever it is that it is, and we go out there the first day. And what happens? We worked hard and we came home and got sore. Man. Oh, Oh, I can't do this. Oh, this is hard. And maybe we try it for one more day and go out there one more time. Oh, oh, this is hard. Oh, oh, I'm so sore. Oh, what are we doing to our bodies? We're retraining. What's your body doing? Rebelling. Rebelling. I don't want to go this way. I like the path of sitting on the couch, watching the TV and eating the Twinkies. This is a good path. There is nothing wrong with this. But we were not complaining about this path. Why are you taking us off this path? We like this path. How many times have you heard that from your body? Why are you doing this to me? What did I ever do to you that you tortured me this way? You go out there and you put it on the, on the cycle, the treadmill the, or the bicycle, and you start going and your, your legs ache and you're tired. Oh, this isn't working. And we go out there and we talk to some other people who do the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I biked 10 miles yesterday. And we say, oh, Dear Jesus, help me. Help me now. I can't get to that level. Dear Lord, I can't get. Oh, my, oh no. And we, we think about, I just, it hurt me to help, not much to, just, just to do a mile. But we're retraining. But see, during that retraining process, what happens with your body? It rebels. It squeals. It squawks. And you have to be willing to put up with the squeals and squawks of your body and deal with them and keep pushing yourself in that direction and eventually it will get better. It will get easier. It doesn't stay the same way. You know, I I tell you that all the time. We tell people that we come on out to hockey all the time. It'll hurt for three days. It'll It'll hurt worse than anything you've ever been in. It'll hurt. But I always give them hope at the end. You know, in three weeks, it'll get better. <laughs> I say, you got to come for three times. Second time, it won't hurt as bad. Third time, not quite as bad. Second time, you're sore for two days. Third time, you're sore for one day. After that, you're fine. You're, you're, you're broke in. You're good. <laughs> but you got to warn them because otherwise they're going to go get up the next day and say, dear Lord, whatever happened to this body? It used to work. Because, I mean, it's broke. It's it's just It's just done. You have to be willing to retrain it. You have to put it into a, into a new way. How many of you all started some new kind of diet? Yep. What did your body think about that? Didn't like it. Man, this is great. Oh, I wish we would have done this before. This is, Oh, I am enjoying this so much. No, what does your body do? Give me the old. Give me the old. I was happy with the old. There, I was not complaining about the old. Why are you taking me off the old? I like it. Put me back on there. But we're retraining ourselves, aren't we? You've got to be willing to go through the retraining process. But when you go through the retraining process, your ability drops down for a little while. But you see, when we're trained to rely on our own ability, we don't like that. I don't want that. Verse 1, chapter 7. So the Lord said to Moses, Well, we've got to go through this part here. Let's talk about the way of God. Here's the way of God. These are just contrary to to the other things we already looked at you can have more ways of God than this. Not saying this is all the ways of God. Just saying this is some that we're looking at today. Be strong in the power of God. Like Brother Jolly was talking about today. Be strong in the power of God. We have a strong God in our midst. Win those who stand against you. Or let God deal with them. You either win them over. Or you let God deal with them. Old way, you deal with them. You conquer them. Old way, be strong in your own power. New way, be strong in the power of God. Stand with those who stand with God. Don't just stand with those who like you, who are on your side. Stand with those who stand with God. How many of y'all know that there's some people out there that you can like, that you can enjoy, but they don't stand with God? But you'll stand with them because you like them and they're nice. I'm not talking about associating. I'm talking about standing. Make a stand with, with some people here. Stand with those who stand with God. There is strength in obedience. We look so, so much to our own strength and our strength coming from our own training and getting better, but there is strength in obedience. When we obey God, there's a strength that is there. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do, but there is strength when we obey God. And there is a way that we walk in the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of our fathers, not the wisdom of men. Let's take a look at these principles. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall speak to Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand in Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Verse 6. Then Moses and Aaron did so. Just as the Lord commanded them to do. So they did. Was that hard? They've been retraining. They've been training to get into this. They've been training to get themselves into this into this area. They've trained for it. If you train for the thing, folks, then you're ready for it. When we look at those people that are out there, the, the Tour de France, how many like to watch the Tour de France? I mean, that's something else. I think that has got to be the most grueling sports thing anyone can do ever. Three weeks of riding a bicycle up mountains and down mountains and sprints and every day out there and getting banged up. And I mean, for three weeks, you're doing this. And we look at that and say, oh, I can't do that for a day. But they trained. They got themselves ready. It's not the same thing for them to do it as it is for us. Because we're not trained. We're not ready. But God is getting us ready. He's putting a call out for us to do some things. And he's putting us through a retraining process to get us ready. But some of us have resisted the retraining. We're not ready for the retraining. Uh, I like the old way. I'm happy with the old way. God says, No, I need to I need to train you. I need to get you ready. A soldier who joins the army, what do they do? They retrain them. You join, you join the army, you get into boot camp. What's boot camp do? Retrain, retrain you. We are going to make you think differently. You are no longer going to think that you are right. You are no longer going to think that what you that you have an opinion that anyone cares about. We're going to retrain you to understand that you are always wrong, you are not right, and you will listen to whatever we say, no matter how ridiculous it sounds. So if we drag you into the bathroom and tell you to scrub the floors with a toothbrush, yes, sir, how long? And they will get you to that point. That's a different way of thinking. People who enter boot camp depart differently or they're kicked out. You will think the way we want you to think. You will do what we want you to do. You will submit to the training that we say, or you're out of here. That's all there is to it. And they don't accept anything else. You all seen the, the pictures of the drill sergeants? You know, drill sergeants are, oh, I'll tell you what, they're great. I love that Geico commercial where the drill sergeant comes in there, he's a therapist. Oh, that is so fun. That is just great. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, look for it. It's, it's well worth the, the effort. Oh, man. But, you know, they have a different way of thinking about things. God wants us to get out of our old way of thinking, but we want to take in our old way of thinking and do new things for God. That's not how it's going to work. Then Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded them. So they did. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old. Did you know that Aaron is Moses's elder brother? And yet who's given the orders? Boy, don't you think that's something? Especially for these folks. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went in to Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers or the magicians of Egypt. They, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod, or snake, Swallowed up their rods or snake. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Verse 14 So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, when he goes out to the water, and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. Thus says the Lord. By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians who loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood Throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of all his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that were in the river died. And the river stank. And the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them as the Lord had said. I don't know how the Egyptians did this because he already turned all the water into blood. But somehow they got some water that wasn't blood yet and they turned it into blood. And anyway, that's that was their solution. And Pharaoh turned and went to his house and neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the, the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. So apparently if they dug a hole deep enough you might be able to find some water that wasn't uh, that way. Chapter 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. How many all like frogs? My wife loves frogs. We have frogs in our ponds and she just thoroughly enjoys them. Hear them at nighttime croaking away, she just likes them. And these, probably, these folks probably like frogs too, to a degree, but it's going to change. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly. Now, when God says abundantly, I'm sure that it's abundantly. Which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into your houses, of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, into your kneading bowls. And the frog shall come out on you, on your people, and on all your servants. You open the cabinet, frog. You take out a bowl, frog. You open up the oven, put something in, frogs come out. You open up the refrigerator, frog. You got a little pitcher of water in there, open it up, frog. Frogs are everywhere. They are just all over. If you go in your car, you open the door, frogs. Frogs are everywhere. You cannot go anywhere without frogs being there. You open the door, there's frogs. You got to watch so you don't step on them because they're just all over the place. That's what it's like. And how many of you you would not like that? Even if you like frogs, that's just too many frogs. You know, I mean, a dog or a cat at a home for a pet can be a good thing. But you ever seen those homes they have on TV? You know, they got 30 cats in the house? It's not so good anymore. Verse 8, Then the Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the, the, the honor of saying, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may re- remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow, Hey, you've heard people talk about this before. Why in the world, if you don't like the problem, do you say let it go tomorrow? I would say now. And the frogs shall depart to you, so they're going to go away. And so he says tomorrow, and the next day the, the frogs go away. They gather them, verse 14, they gather them together in heaps, and the land stank because all these frogs are dead. And you know, you get a whole bunch of dying carcasses around, it just doesn't smell good. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it becomes lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So they were able to duplicate some of the other ones, but this one they couldn't. So there were lice on man and beast. And the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me, or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and on your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. And I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be, and the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses in all the land of Egypt, The land was corrupt because of the swarms of flies. Now we can relate to this one a little bit more because we have seen a lot of flies, haven't we? Not like this, but you all know when you're having a nice little picnic outside or eating outside and you know, you got 10 flies. How many know 10 flies around your picnic table is a lot and they are irritating and you're always shushing them off your food and they wind up in your face and they're just the pain in the neck. Not 10, we're looking at thousands, thousands. You don't go outside anymore to eat. There's just too many. And they're even on the inside of the house. All over on the inside of the house. They're on the outside of the house They're on the inside. Understand this is back here in these days. They don't have screens. They are all over. All over. They're everywhere there's flies. If you get into bed, there's flies all over the bed. If you get in the shower, you're fighting with the, with the flies in the shower. Just flies. So you got the flies, you got the lice, you got the frogs. You know what's great, though? Frogs eat flies. I, maybe if he asked for the, the frog you know, We said the, said the frogs way too fast. Let's bring those frogs back. <laughs> now, here's where we get something real fun from Pharaoh. He's softening a little bit. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to, to your God in the land. What did God say? Go out of the land. Three days' journey into the wilderness. Wow. And Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? So there's a good reason for us to get out of here because they're not going to like what we're going to do. Now, he's asking for a compromise. How many of you have ever heard about compromises? I mean, this day and age, we're hearing about compromises all the time. You get into the political area, you get into the news area, they're always talking about compromises. You know, you've got the left and the right you got the liberals and the conservatives. you got the Republicans and you got the Democrats. And somehow the media is trying to put on us that the, you have one side that's on this way and one side on, on here. And they have pushed this down us for a long time. The, how many of you all believe that moderates are just... You ought to just be a moderate. Moderates are the perfect person. Because what are they? Moderates compromise between all these different things. And they say, well, you know, now that the Congress is this way and this is going on, we just need to compromise. And the Republicans need to be willing to compromise. And the Democrats need to be willing to compromise. I want to ask you this. If one way is truth and one way is false, which way should you go? Would a compromise do? If you are Thanksgiving, some of you were heading out to your different houses and stuff like that. And how many of you all know to get from your house to wherever it is you're going, there is a way. Now, you may have three or four different ways that you can get there, but that is the, the end destination is the same destination, right? So what if you say, well, you know, I don't want to go that far. How about if we compromise and we don't we only go halfway? Well, they're all meeting here. That's where they're meeting, right? Half hour away, hour away, two hours, wherever it is they're meeting. They're meeting there. If you're going to compromise and only go halfway, how many of them are you going to see? <laughs> you're not going to see them, are you? It's not going to go. If you get directions from somebody and you say, "You I don't quite like those directions, I'm going to compromise a little bit between my directions and their directions. How's that going to work for you? If you take pure water and mix a little bit of dirt in it like we did some time ago, the water is clean and ready to drink and the dirt is dirty. But if you take a little bit of dirt and put it into clean water, what does the water become? Dirty. If you take truth, and mix it with any amount of what is false, the truth becomes false. It doesn't become anything else. It becomes false. Whether it's in the political scene, whether it's in the religious side, whether it's with the ways of God, or directions, it doesn't matter. There is truth, and there is false. It doesn't matter if you mix a little bit of false with the truth. It becomes false. It becomes false. I heard somebody use an example. Say, how much poison do you want? I mean, a a little bit won't kill you, so but if you just mix a little bit of arsenic in with your food, Would you do that? Then why are we so willing to compromise on things? If you know that a way is right, you should never compromise. If you know that this way is the right way to go, you should never compromise. It's one of the things that irritates me about some of the people in Congress and such. If you know that a bill is bad, then no matter what you are promised, it doesn't make that bill right. The bill is always bad. If you know it's bad, there is no compromise that can make that bill right, even though it may benefit you. So Pharaoh says, why don't you just compromise here? And you you go by sacrifice, but just stay in the land. No, no, not going to do it. Moses, Moses says, no, no, no. Now, this is because he was retrained. Because the old Moses would have what? Glory to God. We got what we wanted. All right, we'll do that. We will go three days' journey in the wilderness and sacrifice the Lord our God as he has commanded us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice the Lord your God in the wilderness, only do not go very far away. Go ahead now, pray for me. I'll let you go. Just don't go real far away. And Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you. And I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. At this time also, neither would he let the people go. There is no amount of compromise. You have got to become retrained in the things of God. That if a thing is truth, you will not compromise it. If it is truth, you stay with it. If it's false, you don't accept it. Jesus taught us in the New Testament. He said a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. loaf." You get a little false doctrine in you, folks, it leavens the whole thing. Guard against it. Don't bring it in. You get a little compromise, it compromises the whole thing. You cannot do it. So, I'll take this in the area of fruitfulness. A little bad attitude is what? Compromise. A little selfishness is what? Compromise. But it's only a little. <laughs> Let's take a look at this and some of the things that we, we have here to, to apply it to. Looking at the old new way. In the old way, offenses if someone said something to me, did something to me, took something from me, did something a certain way, I get offended. Right? In the new way, what's Jesus teach us about Offense. Don't do it. Don't embrace it. Don't embrace it. Well, it's, I mean, you don't know what they did. Compromise. Don't embrace it. Folks, don't let anyone bring you into an offense. Don't Just don't do it. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get bothered by it. Forgiveness. Well, I mean, I forgive everybody else, but just this one. Compromise. What's God say? Boy, you responded well to your training. Oh, I'm so proud. Uh-uh. God says, all right, I've got to go back to the retrain. i got to go back to the train. I thought we were ready. We're over here in training again. No. I forgive all who ask me and I walk with an attitude of not having bitterness against anyone. Whether they ask me to forgive them or not, I will not stay bitter at anyone. And at a moments notice, if someone came out to me and genuinely repented and said, I am sorry for what I did, I will instantly I don't have to go by think about it I will instantly say I'm ready to forgive you right now because I'm ready because I haven't compromised this patience we're using this as a big example in our, our areas here for, for this person pulls out in front of you and we get upset did we compromise? yeah yeah uh-huh we well, can get a little irritated and die can't we? Oh, man, we can get a little... we got to stop being irritated so much. If you're here on Wednesday night, I told you the story that we had with the bunk beds last week, uh, a situation that could have gotten us irritated. Oh, I'll tell you what could have gotten us irritated. Turned out to be a blessing. Now, I responded, well, this this time anyway, to training and I didn't get upset. And I didn't get hurt and didn't get bothered. And the next day, glory to God, blessing came in. If you weren't here on Wednesday, tough. I mean, if you don't want to show up, there's no reason I have to repeat myself. No, it'll be out there on the web. You can download it and listen to it for free. Not even cost you nothing. Go out there and get it. Play it, listen to it, whatever you want to do. Patience, joy. How many of you ever woke up in a bad mood? How joyful are you? What did you do? Can you say anything else? It was was it not compromise? As soon as we do not embrace joyfulness we are what? We're compromised. compromised. What, is with the, what is the fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What is one of the characteristics of that fruit? Joy. Joy. So if I remember not joyful, I have what? I've compromised. If I remember not patient, what have I done? I have compromised. It's real easy to tell if we compromised or not. How many of you all know you it's real easy to tell if your electrical outlets are compromised in your house? You plug something in, it doesn't work. They're what? They're compromised. If you flip the light switch on and it doesn't go on. The light switch is it's compromised. We don't have to wonder. It's not working. Hope. We'd spent a whole half a year on hope looking at that those principles. If we don't have the biblical hope, we've compromised something. We've gotten into wishful thinking. Love. Well, I don't know if I want to love that one. Well, I don't feel like walking in love today. Well, that's my husband. Well, that's my wife. I don't have to do that. I don't have to walk that way. What did you do? Compromise because you accepted the thing that, well, there's somebody that I know. They're an in law. You don't have to love in laws. I mean, that's a cat. I don't have to love a cat. Yeah, but you don't know how disobedient my son is. What did we do? It's compromise. To not walk in what God is saying to do is to compromise. If Moses, any of those times, we didn't read the rest of the plagues, but if any one time Moses said, didn't go in before Pharaoh and say what God said, what did Moses do? Compromise. And we saw one time Moses did that when he came to the rock a second time and God said to speak to it, and he struck it. What did he do? He compromised. And how did God respond to that? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the land of your rest. Is that what he said? He said, I'm mad with you now. Now you're not going in. Faith. If we are not believing God in our situation, we embrace fear, anxiety, worry. What did we do? Compromised. If we are doubting the Word of God, that's another one. If we doubt the Word of God, what did we do? We compromised. We should doubt the Word of the world and not doubt the Word of God. But too often we we believe the Word of the world And doubt the Word of God. How do you do that? Doctor comes to you and says, you're going to die. What do I do? I believe Him. What did I do with with God's Word? I doubted God's Word to believe that Word. Why do that? Expectation. How many of you expect bad things to happen to you? How many of you expect good things to happen to you? How many of you wake up this morning? Oh, I can't wait. Good things are going to happen today. How many of you didn't say that to yourself? Because you thought, I oh, don't know good things will happen to me. I'll wait and see. As the day goes on, you know, at the end of the day, I'll thank God for all those unexpected things that came up. What did we do? <laughs> we compromised. Did God ever say, at the end of the day, give thanks for all the things I've done? It's fine to do that, but what else you got to do? We got to wake up in the morning and thank Him. Because, you know what? Good things are coming. God, you're doing your word. It's happening for me. There's got to be expectation. We spend time before talking on expectation. Here's the last one. Suffering. Suffering. We're to suffer for the things of God, not to suffer for our own stupidity. Not suffer for other stuff, but we're to suffer for the things of God. The Word in us will draw suffering to us. That's all right. Don't get upset at that. Don't compromise. Don't go in the in wrong direction. Stay in His way. Allow God to retrain you. God will put you through a retraining. You've got to get around people that think about God in a no-compromise way. You've got to get around people that are faith people, that are not doubt people, that are expectant people. You've got to get around people that are joyful people, that are patient people. You've got to make a stand with people who stand with God. Too often we're making stands with people who compromise the things of God because we like them. That's not the way to go. It is a hard thing to stand up and say what God wants us to say. How many of y'all know it was a hard thing for Abraham to get up and say, Hi, I'm the father of many. How many kids you got? None. One. How many of y'all know that was hard? How many of y'all know it was hard for Moses to go back into the land of Egypt that he was freed from? And I'll deliver you out of it. But I'm already delivered. Yeah, I no, Go. I'll deliver you out of it. I'll get you out of it. How many y'all know this heart? We don't compromise the things of God. Get around people who don't want to compromise the things of God. It'll change your life. Retrain yourself. If you will retrain yourself, your outlook on things will be completely different. I've shared stories with you before where God taught me about walking with God through running. God taught me a whole lot of things about it through running. But when I embraced the training process of running, I looked at running differently than anyone else ever looked at it. Most people looked at it run to here, there, as a chore, I looked at it as an adventure. I looked at it as something I couldn't wait to do but I get to run. Oh, how, how am I going to do it? Are I going to do it fast? Am I going to do it slow? It was never a question of whether I would do it. It was never a question. I got to the point where I went up to my coach and I said, Coach, can I please, please, tomorrow, we don't have a meet on, on Saturday, can I please, and I pleaded with him, can I please run 20 miles tomorrow? Can I please do that? I would really like to go out for a 20-mile run. Can I do it? And I was serious because I knew that was not part of the training. And he said, well, you really shouldn't. But if you really want to, I'll tell you what. You can go ahead and you can run the 20 miles, but don't run on Sunday. That's a compromise. Really? All right. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. That was the one compromise that was okay, I guess. But So I went out. Oh, I had so much. I looked forward to it the whole day. And I got out there, I strapped those shoes on, and I went for a 20-mile run. I had it all planned where I was going to go. And you know what? It was joyful. And most of you folks would look at that and say, 20 miles? Are you kidding me? You would actually willingly go out and start at a place and go 10 miles away and come back? But I retrained myself. My thinking was not like that. Now, you get other people, they're going to swim that real far. And we can't think of it. You got other people are going to cycle real far you got other people who can do stuff because they've trained themselves for it. They've gotten themselves ready. God wants to get you ready for what's out there but you're resisting the training. Every time that the kids act up and you act, react in an impatient way, you are resisting. You're resisting it. Every time that a person comes before you and asks for forgiveness and you don't want to because of bitterness in the inside of you, you are resisting training. Every time that you don't love the people that are unlovable, you are resisting training. Every time you get around and rub shoulders with other Christians who don't believe the Word of God is true, who don't believe to have faith in God and to believe in such a way as to doubt God, you are resisting training. When I was in the cross country, you know the, the people I did not associate on the real close level is people who would put down, I can't believe you run. Oh, I can't believe. Why did you do that? They're always questioning. You know what? I didn't hang out with those folks a whole lot. I went out there some. But you know what? When we all got done running, you know where we sat and ate dinner? You know where we sat and ate lunch? You know where we had breakfast? It was all the runners were at the same table. We ate with, with them. And we would talk running stuff. And we would occur, how far did you go? When it was off season and we're all doing our own stuff, we came back at the dinner table. Well, how far did you, did you run today? Yeah, I did. I went over to here. And see, we all know they're going to be asking me, where did I run today? I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them I did the hill run out. I did the hill run. Oh, they're going to they're gonna hate me for that. I did the hills. <laughs> oh, well, we're gonna, how far did you go? Oh, I went this far. How fast did you go? Oh, I did it this fast. Oh, we're coming out there. And we weren't just bragging to each other. We were encouraging each other. We wanted to come together and to, and to do it. And to, and to push each other on. Get around people that will push you on. Don't get around people that are okay with compromise in your life. Get around people who say, no, you forgive them. No, you love them. Don't have bitterness. Have faith. Get around people that are encourage you in having faith. Don't get around people that are depressed. Get around people that are joyful. I'm talking about close contact, close quarters, rubbing elbows, letting your hair down. Get around with these folks because they're going to push you on. They're going to get you going. You know, if you want to work out real, real strong, you got to get around folks that like to do that way. I always told people, you know, if you, I told my son the other day, we were watching Rocky 2. I said, get that part of the video. Put it downstairs when you're working out. And my favorite one's in Rocky 4. Love those workout scenes. I picture them over and over in my mind. Those Oh, that just gets you fired up. And it's the same thing with God. Get you fired up. There's a retraining that God wants to put you through because He wants you to be fruit of the Spirit all the time. Always joyful. Always patient. Is it possible? Can I really be always joyful? Can I really be always patient? Can I really always be good? Is that possible? Yes. It is possible. But you've got to be retrained. You cannot do it in the old way, but you can do it in the new. You can become an entirely different person if you let God do it for you. Would you all pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you teach us from it, that we can walk in such a way as to never compromise what's in your word, to always live the way that you challenge us to, to always be joyful, always be forgiving, always be patient. There is never a time, there is never a person who comes across our path that we do not have this response to because it is who we are. We have been retrained. We are no longer the old person. We are, re- we are new. And we have been brought along and retrained to follow along that path. Oh, Father God, we thank You for the examples of Moses, for the examples of Peter that we've looked at and seen how they've been retrained, reprogrammed, to think differently and to react differently. Father, we realize it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some elbow grease on our part. But we want to do it. Sometimes it may be a thing that you're going to tell us to go out there and grab the tail of a snake and everything in it says, no, 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 no. It's not right. But we can do it. We can be retrained. We thank you for the help that you give us on it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.